With the sports world on pause, we've teamed Greg Linelli and Eric Erlinson together for Power Lunch, an hour to talk lightning hockey, the NHL, and how you're coping with the coronavirus. This is Power Lunch, exclusively on Lightning Power Play via the iHeartRadio app. Center point, Edmund, right to Kucherov. Score! Patrick Kucherov! Good afternoon. Welcome to another edition of Power Lunch here on Lightning Power Play. I am Eric Erlinson. He is Greg Linelli, and the vocal cords of Dave Michigan are getting warmed up as we speak, as we step closer to uh, at least a time frame of when we might hear hockey back on these airwaves. We might see him back on our television screens as well. So much to dissect, so much to talk about. We didn't get into everything yesterday in the league's return to play situation. We are going to talk to Lightning Center Anthony Sorelli today about this return to play format that the league has presented and his thoughts on getting back out on the ice with his teammates. We're going to talk to David Schoen from the Las Vegas Journal Review as Vegas is a front runner, a favorite maybe for one of these hub cities. So we'll talk to David about that as well. He also had a story that he just wrote about Nate Schmidt, who is the player rep for the Vegas Golden Knights, and what some of those conversations had been like with the Return to Play Committee and the NHLPA and trying to put together this very complicated and sometimes tedious plan to get the league back, but we have a plan in place. And uh, with that, Greg, we didn't talk much yesterday about the hub cities outside of knowing that Amelie Arena will not be among the 10 uh, finalists, if you will, for it. But uh, a lot of intriguing situations about these potential hub cities. Well, a lot of it, you know, do they have the the locker room capacity to hold all of these teams going to that specific city? I think that's the biggest reason, uh, one of the biggest reasons that Vegas, with their new arena, can accommodate this request in addition to the hotels obviously out there. So... I don't. I, you've heard me say this before. If Vegas were to play in their own city, um, I don't know if that's much of an advantage if there's no fans in the building. But you know, maybe sleeping in your own bed or just being in that city uh, is a little bit of an edge. But I, I don't know. I think with today's game and how much parity there is, I think that's one thing a lot of fans don't have to worry too much about, or it shouldn't be the reason why your team is at somewhat of a disadvantage if you're going to a hub city and uh, one of the teams you're playing is host of that uh, specific city. So that, to me, is going to be intriguing, how they try and maybe move things around. You've heard two hub cities maybe early on. Maybe that gets expanded to four. I don't know. It seems pretty clear though, that something in Canada the league wants to do, they, they seem pretty hell-bent on that. And then the question becomes, with the border issues, is that something even possible right now? Yeah, that's a big issue. The league has talked about that. Uh, the Canadian government uh, still requires anybody that comes into or crosses the border. First of all, you're supposed to be essential personnel only, but anybody that does come across the border is required to self-isolate for 14 days. Excuse me. And uh, that is right. an impediment. And the, the league has been, yeah, just a little frog in the throat, if you will. Right. It, happens um, it happens on radio, right? Yeah, um, <laughs> But, uh, yeah, I mean, both Bill Daly and Gary Bettman have both said that if that's the case, if that's still in place, then they will not be able to use a Canadian city because you're even seeing, you know, 
the, the European players, the players who are based in Europe, uh, they're not in a rush to come back right now. They're especially if you're a Swedish player who have not been under any restrictions, and a yeah. lot of those guys back in Sweden have been able to skate and and do everything they normally do. But they're not in a rush to come back. They want to wait and see when Phase Three might be instituted. When that would be, of course, the start of training camps, which we know won't be any sooner than July one. So we're still four weeks out from that possibility. Um, you know, so so Canadian City, they I think they want to do it. I think first of all, it's Canada. We've talked about it before. I think there's economics involved because of the uh, Canadian dollar is less than the U.S. dollar. So uh, you know, in actual dollars, it would cost them less to house this uh, situation in a Canadian city. Uh, but to your point about the home home field advantage, home ice advantage, mm-hmm. I found this interesting. And, and uh, you know, I you know I, I've been watching the Bundesliga a little bit uh, as it's been live sports on my television. With the fans out in the stands, I think the home teams have only won three or only won three of the first eighteen games. Yeah, I think there were five that. draws in there. Yeah, that that kind of gives you an idea. Without fans in the stands, maybe there isn't because home field advantage in soccer is a thing. I don't. Yeah, I don't think it's an advantage at all. And I, I think, especially too, for me, um, I think this is a real challenge for the players uh, come playoff time having no fans in the stands. Now, yeah, I think you're going to have the, the the company line. The players come out and say, and we'll ask Anthony Sorelli, uh, we're hoping to have Breen Cobert on tomorrow as well. We'll ask them. I mean, what what is that going to be like for you guys? Because so much energy is taken from the fans in the playoffs, good and bad. Yep. I mean, how many times have you seen a team down 2-1 in the third period? They need a goal late. They tie it up. They go on to win it, and the place is going crazy. You can't tell me feeding off the fans' energy doesn't help that home team. So I – I think that's going to be a big obstacle. I think maybe that's the biggest obstacle these players will have to face, even conditioning, because I think these guys are so well-conditioned. I think they're going to be okay. I I do. For me, it's how do you shift mentally from playing – I'm throwing out a team. Let's say it's the Boston Bruins in the second round where you have all this hatred – but you don't have that extra oomph coming from the the passionate fan base cheering you on. I just think it's going to be a challenge. I'm not saying it can't be done. I just think it's going to be a challenge. It, it is. But but I also think that once they get into the game, because you know, you've heard players talk about this, that certainly pregame and when you're – Walking out from the locker room, you feel that energy. You know, I even think about the movie Miracle and that 1980 U.S. Olympic hockey team when Herb Brooks mentioned how you could feel the stand shaking and obviously a lot more intimate situation in Lake Placid than in an NHL rink. But, you know, you could feel that as you make your way out on the ice. But I think after the first shift or two, I, I, you know, I've heard plenty of players say this. Like they, they don't – not that they forget about the fans – like the focus is so narrow on the game and and the competitiveness and everything that goes on, I I think that they don't sometimes they don't realize they're playing in front of fans, you know, other than maybe when the the eruptions and stuff like that occur. Uh, I think that they can draw some emotion onto it. Uh, the interesting thing is the officiating. Sometimes the officiating can be influenced by the home crowd if they're on the official. Sometimes that's how is the officiating going to be handled in this that to me that's an aspect we haven't really brought up but i find that fascinating it's a good point and um again that's why you know one of the reasons why i find 
athletes so interesting is not only physically are they gifted. I think one of the main reasons they get to their level is because mentally they're better than most at getting yep. to where they are. And I think they'll figure out how to manage that. But I think from us looking at it on the outside, I think that could be one of the challenges. I know we have uh, Dave coming up here in just a little bit, but he, I also want to um, maybe throw something out there. I want to get your thoughts and our audience's thoughts. Uh, he comes under a lot of scrutiny, whether it's deserved, whether it's well-deserved, whether it's not deserved. I don't know. Whatever word you want to use to describe commissioners in specific leagues running those leagues. I think Gary Bettman has come out looking the best out of all the commissioners right now in the yeah. major sports leagues we have. And he gets a lot of criticism. You know, look, I, I think like any major position running a league i think that's warranted these guys get paid a lot of money to make some tough decisions sometimes they don't get the obvious right and gary bettman's certainly up for criticism when it comes to that but i think in terms of how he's handled this crisis i mean basically the national hockey league is the first major sports league that has a plan in place you know that the players aren't discussing about taking a, a huge salary uh, reduction you know we've heard some players talk about the safety and you know playing in hub cities and staying away from their families for an extended period of time but nothing that has stopped the process at this point point. and I think Gary Bettman deserves a lot of credit for that he comes under a lot of criticism but I think when you compare what he has been able to do for this league pushing through I think he has looked a lot better than everybody else that's a commissioner in one of the major sports leagues in today's game. I don't say this very often to you, Greg, but that's a great point. Um, you're <laughs> right. He has because because we've talked about this before. You know, the NHL seemed to be of the leagues the more cautious in their approach here, right? Like they didn't really have any sort of a time frame element. They didn't seem to have uh, exactly what the plan was going to be, at least not leaked. And that that's maybe that's a credit to uh, the league office as well, that a lot of this information maybe didn't get leaked out in, until last weekend when Elliot Friedman kind of came out with his 2014 format. Um, but you're right. He does deserve a lot of credit. Uh, this is this is unprecedented. Nobody's had to deal with a situation like this. Again, there's no playbook for any of us, and that includes the sports leagues and how to deal with this. And to come up with a plan, a well-thought-out plan, that uh, ensures as safe as possible conditions for the players because that's paramount in all of this, to put this on in one or two cities, well, two cities at, at, the, at a minimum, and then to fill what probably will be three days, three games a day, maybe six games a day if you do one in each city if, it, if they're spaced out by time zone. Uh, I agree. I agree with you that the commissioner deserves a lot of credit, uh, both Bill Daly and Gary Bettman here. But I can tell you this, it won't stop anybody from booing Gary Bettman when he awards no. a Stanley Cup, even and if it's you know, by a Zoom call. And, and, and you know what? I think he's kind of embraced it. I think Roger Goodell <laughs> has kind of embraced <laughs> yeah. it. I mean, they should. As I said before, Roger Goodell makes how much money a year? $40 million, I think, last I, I saw. It's a lot of money. Yep. If you want to boo me for 24 hours a day for the next 10 years, if I'm making $40 million, that's uh, go right ahead. I'm going to buy earplugs. Hey. I'll, I'll take it for half. Yeah. I'll take it You'll for take half. It for I don't half. even need the full 40. I'm no, okay. No, no, no. I'll use the other 20 and, you know, we'll we'll do something else with it. But, hey, look, I get it. It's part of the job. But, 
you know, when we talk about poking holes at the different plans that these commissioners could throw out there, I think baseballs look bad. I think basketballs look bad. <laughs> I think um, the NHL, for the most part, I mean, what's the biggest thing we're, we're discussing? Um, hub cities where players have to be away from their family for a month. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. I mean, we can figure that out, guys. I mean, we're not talking about, you know, the players taking a, a 50% pay cut. Um, or the NBA, you know, deciding, you know, who not to offend if they come back. I mean, I, I just, I think the NHL's got, they, so far, they've gotten it right. I don't know if it's going to last. I don't know if it's going to continue. I tell you what's going to be, you know what, um, whichever sports league decides to put fans in the stands first, that yep. will be a gutsy decision. But that might be one as we continue to move forward with this pandemic. New information continues to evolve. We've seen some states that have opened up where maybe those spikes in cases haven't risen to the point where a lot of people feel it should have been. Uh, you may see Gary Bettman say, you know what? Things are going pretty well. All right, maybe we don't get 15000 or 20000 at Amelie Arena, but if you want to put in five, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, he, he didn't rule that out. He did not That's what that I mean. Out. Yeah. That's smart. Yeah, left, left that door open for sure. Gary Bettman's um, not dumb. Let's be honest. <laughs> well, it, He's not dumb. And to just compare, just compare as we talk about the other sports and some of the difficulties. When, when the NBA players, or at least the agents of the players, have come out and said they're worried about the hotel accommodations being unfair at the Disney, Disney Resort, like, come on, really? Like, that's, that's your complaint that some teams might have unfair advantage because they stay in better hotel rooms? I, I, I don't know about that one. Right. That's a little out yeah. there. No, that's a good point. Um, <laughs> I mean, as many issues as baseball right. has, you know, this, this one for the, the NBA. I mean, it was so bad that USA Today, one of their writers, put out a poll of ranking the resorts at Disney and uh, if it's a draw, if it's a draft, who, who drafts what hotel. I mean, come on. Yeah, and, and like I said, with baseball, I mean, openly feuding about not only staying away from your family for a considerable amount of time, but you, you've – and it's not a good look. I'm not, I'm not taking, taking sides one way or the other because there's yep. been this, this breakdown about um, players and, and their salaries and, you know, what the pay cut is going to be. I, I saw one uh, baseball writer talk about one of the proposals that – that maybe out there is a certain tax that, you know, for entry level players, it's X amount of dollars they'll receive. But for a player like Mike Trout, you know, obviously he's making a ton more, but he's going to be losing, you know, 30 or 40 percent of his salary. I mean, it, it's a lot. Those numbers aren't exact, but you understand what I'm saying. I mean, but that's open in the public, which doesn't even if you agree with the players that, yeah, look, Mike Trout shouldn't have to give up 50 percent of his pay. That's a lot of money. Even if you agree with that. The fact that that's public right now, that some people can see that in a time when 40 million people are unemployed since yep. this pandemic, it optics mean something. That doesn't look good. And the NHL, for the most part, and maybe it's just because it's the sport uh, they are right now, it's always been kind of in the background. They're kind of just plugging along and they're saying, yeah, we're going to reopen and we, we have 24 teams. We're going to shut down the regular season. Oh, by the way, you know what? We may have fans later, but we're going to see how this goes through. I mean, they, they, they've done it right. They've done it right. Well, and, and, I'll, and I know we have to get to David here, but I just, just kind of flip-flop this here. 
Who has had the, the hardest and uh, contentious labor negotiation situations over the last 25 years? It's been the NHL. They come out looking like really good partners. Who's had the best labor situation over the last 26 years back since the 94 strike? It's Major League Baseball. They've had the longest labor piece of all the yeah. uh, major sports, right. and yet they're the ones that are having the biggest issue coming yeah. back. So it's just a little bit, little taste of irony there. Yeah, and I, again, we talk about being able to use this pandemic to your advantage. We, you and I have discussed ways to think outside the box, whether it's tickets, whether it's miking up the players during the playoffs and, and really getting that R version uh, of what it's really <laughs> like on the ice. Uh, part, of, part of getting people attracted to the game is – you know, look, if you're out there playing before these other sports are and, and you have this NCAA tournament-like feel to your game, yeah, people may gravitate to your sport. I think they're going to be fascinated watching hockey if they don't already love it, and um, the NHL should remember that. But um, one of those hub cities we've been talking about has been Vegas, and uh, David Schoen from the Vegas Journal is going to be up next. We're going to talk to him about why Vegas is most likely going to be one of those cities. We'll get his thoughts on that and so much more. He's Eric Erlinson. I'm Greg Linnelli. It is the Power Lunch on Lightning Power Play. The hockey world might be on pause, but Eric Erlinson and Greg Linnelli aren't. This is Power Lunch, exclusively on Lightning Power Play on the iHeartRadio app. All right, still to come, we've got uh, Anthony Sorelli in about 20 minutes or so, but we've heard about Hub Cities and who could be hosting a bunch of these teams once play resumes, and Vegas appears to be a front-runner, folks, and why not? A lot of good things around Vegas. And here to talk about it a little bit more, I've had him on the show a number of times on Lighting Power Play Live, beat reporter for the Golden Knights from the Las Vegas Review-Journal. He is David Schoen, and he joins us here via the phone line with Greg Linnelli and Eric Rollinson. David, first up, bud, great to be with you, and uh, how are things going in Vegas for you and uh, just the city in general right now? I appreciate you guys having me on. Uh, they're cranking up the thermostat a little bit here. Uh, starting to warm up, but you know, I think everybody's uh, getting a little excitement, a little optimism after uh, the announcements. You know, the memo going out Monday about phase two and uh, the announcement Tuesday. So, a little bit of hockey fever, I guess, uh, starting to stir up around here. Well, well I, 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 I wanted to get into, yeah, yeah. I, I just one question. I, I wanted to get into the the Golden Knights and the hub situation? Because I think for a lot of people tuning in, you know, they may say, okay, well, Vegas, they've got good weather and um, a lot of hotels out there. So it makes it an obvious selection to be one of the hub cities. But David, can you give us maybe a, a bigger breakdown of why it makes sense to have all these games in Vegas and, and why some games should be there? I mean, I think anytime you have kind of a big event, Vegas is, you know, sort of a natural candidate, I guess, or anything like that, just because of things like hotel capacity and the infrastructure. This city's built for events like, like this, really. And without getting, without shifting it too much, and without getting, I guess, you know, too much on the other side, I, I'm still a little curious how it would work here. I mean, the obvious is you have all the hotel capacity and you can put everybody right there on the strip, right close to T-Mobile arena. You don't have a lot of, you know, transportation issues. Everybody can kind of walk back and forth. There's still activities. If the NHLPA and the NHL 
decide on families being, you know, accessible and, and not, I guess, fully sequestering players and staff and things like that. Everything would be right there. Everything would, would all be, I would imagine, kind of within, you know, some sort of complex MGM was the entity that put the bid in, you know, with the NHL. So it would be their hotels and they run and own T-Mobile Arena. So they're heavily involved in all of this. But my question still is about the ice. And, and I'm still not entirely clear, you know, how the, I guess, if there's any practices and, and how that situation would work if you're rotating games in one arena and, and how would it work in terms of are you shuttling players up to City National Arena, which is the Golden Knights practice, practice facility, which is about 15 minutes away. It's an easy drive. It, it's not like some of the other cities, you know, NHL cities where the the team's complex is way out of town or anything like that. It's it's accessible, but I'm just kind of curious how it's all going to work if that's the NHL's plan because I think any time you add, I guess, links in the chain and all this and you're leaving sort of the bubble, you know, then then there's other issues that kind of come into it and, and other, I guess, uh, factors that you have to account for. Yeah, David, the ice was was one of the things that popped into my head because obviously we've been asked this question down here uh, in terms of Amelie Arena and them being not one of the hub cities, even though they did put in a bid. Um, you know, it was more about locker room space, I think, here from what I'm told. But a lot of people ask about the ice and more humidity here than in Vegas for sure. Uh, but the temperature is higher. So have you been able to kind of ask questions about that? Have you been able to kind of kind of pick people's brains about maybe how the ice situation would work, you know, in the middle of the summer, in the middle of the heat of the summer, you know, when you're trying to play potentially three games per day on one, uh, one ice surface? Yeah, I mean, I'll say I've tried. <laughs> Certainly everybody <laughs> is very mum around here. Um, MGM is, uh, as a company, is, is, is very tight-lipped. Um, so in terms of, Having you know their ice person, I put in media you know interview requests and things like that haven't been granted. But from everybody I've talked to, and I know the NHL has said this as well, that they don't feel like it's a factor. You know, you, you you're looking at you know 100 plus degree heat if you're playing in July and August, and and you go into the whole ice of dry heat. And like you said, the humidity I think in in Tampa is a little different, but. I go back to the 2018 Stanley Cup final, which was played almost entirely in June. I think there was one, maybe two games late in May, but that's still, you know, it's right now it's 105 right now. I mean, it's hot and it's only going to get hotter here with the refrigeration. I, I, I think the impression that I've gotten from people is that this isn't like the fog Stanley Cup situation that we would see in Boston Garden or, or something like that. That with modern technology, air conditioning, ice making capabilities, and all those sorts of things, that they don't seem to to think it's an issue. I guess maybe in some respects, I'm curious how the players would feel about being isolated in, you know, a city that's 105 degree heat. You're not going to get any respite from it. It's just every day that way. That's the way it's going to be. Versus say you know, Edmonton, which also put in a bid and kind of, you know, promoted the lifestyle aspect of it, golf course or the casino attached to the arena, et cetera, et cetera. So I'm kind of curious maybe how the players feel about it. You know, Vegas has a reputation, you know, as an arena and it's a great place to play in opposing 
teams and players love to play here, but the atmosphere obviously is going to be completely different. No fans, you know, you're not going to have the music pumped in. You're not going to have Brad Marsh on, you know, making comments about having the loudest speakers in the league and all that <laughs> stuff because, you know, this is just a completely different ball game, I guess, that we're dealing with in, in terms of, you know, the tournament, not having fans there and, and, and what have you. So there's still a lot of, I guess, questions for me and and I think with the bid and the NHL just clarifying kind of what they're looking for I know I had one source that painted a picture for me that essentially the NHL could kind of set up sort of made for TV rinks at Mandalay Bay Event Center at MGM Grand and also T-Mobile Arena potentially and that way you'd have kind of three essentially like TV studios and you could run games Continuously, you could start one when that game ends. The next one starts at the next arena. You don't have to worry about overflow. If it goes overtime, you can just kick it over to another channel. The other game still starts. You don't have, you know, people waiting around, waiting if it goes four overtimes and, oh, now we, you know, we're three hours later than our start time or something like that. So there's a whole lot of, I guess, elements that could play into this, and, and we'll just have to see, I guess, if Vegas is chosen and, and which way they go with it. I'm curious, David. Um, David Schoen joining us here from the Las Vegas Review-Journal. I mean, I think we're going to be playing hockey late July into August. Let's say Vegas is one of those hub cities. Any? Are you hearing anything to your point about the ice conditions? How is it going to hold up? I mean, are they going to – I would think they'd have somebody from the league kind of evaluate how the ice is holding up, whether it's practices, exhibition games um, beforehand, because if if it can't, you're going to have to make a decision to go somewhere else, right? I mean, that'd be interesting. I don't know. And I think I started to kind of say this, and then my brain goes all in every different direction. But, you know, I started to mention the 2018 Stanley Cup final, and the ice in D.C. and the humidity was noticeably poor. Um, players even mentioned it, and that's, I think, rare for players to kind of mention the ice and and. The ice in Vegas wasn't great either. It held up, but certainly it wasn't, you know, as high quality as it is during the regular season. I think it's actually, you know, been voted pretty high in the uh, NHLPA players poll as far as quality of ice, if I remember correctly. So in that regard, I think they've done a good job and they've handled, you know, the heat. It it comes in in the exhibition season and early in the uh, NHL season. It's still hot here in September and, and even into kind of early October. So I don't think it's a foreign concept to them. But, yeah, it's going to be an issue. And how is it going to hold up in, you know, 105-degree heat? What would be interesting to me is if it doesn't, like you're talking about in, in, in that scenario, could they just pull up the stakes and all of a sudden move everybody to another city that late? Or at what point would they have to kind of come in, test it out, and, and figure everything and, and say, okay, we're going to commit to this. Because I know Gary Bettman in his comments the other day said they were probably looking at, you know, three to four weeks to making a decision on the hub cities and, you know, being able to evaluate, you know, where are things at with the coronavirus in, in each city and, you know, who's flattening the curve and and whose cities have become hotspots, et cetera. They're, they're going to wait as long as they can to evaluate all that. I wonder if in that process the ice is part of it. That's certainly something that, that for me as a reporter, I'm going to have to look into. Uh, David, what about the fact, because this has kind of been tossed around, that 
you know, maybe they wouldn't necessarily be a hub city for the early stages, but that would be the location for the conference finals and the Stanley Cup final. Yeah. And see, and that makes the most sense to me. That was the one when, when that report came out, because of my questions about the ice and how would you manage 12 teams kind of with, with essentially one ice surface available at T-Mobile unless, you know, you're busing teams around to the different facilities that would be available around town. So that was always my question with it, how it was going to work. And then I saw a conference final Stanley Cup and thought, oh, well, if you've got four teams and you're housing them on the strip and you're doing any kind of practice, you know, schedule and things like that, and you, you only need to do it for four teams, it would work perfectly. And again, you know, Stanley Cup final in Vegas and the city starting to open up, you know, the casinos are, are expected to open up kind of, you know, by next week around town. You figure by the timetable that they're talking about, you know, awarding the Stanley Cup probably in September, whether it's mid to late September, lock on wood, everything is trending in the right direction. And, and Vegas would just be an awesome place. I mean, you know, we do big events here better than anybody. I mean, I can just imagine the buzz around town if there's a, a Stanley Cup, whether the Knights are in it or not, I, I just think there would be a lot of excitement in this town. I think a lot of fans would, you know, if it's safe, if we're at that place in the world, you know, that they would they would come to Vegas and flock to it just to, to be part of it, potentially. Well, and David, we had just talked about in this previous segment, Ian and I both agree. I think Gary Bettman, out of all the commissioners right now out there, has done the best job in navigating through this situation and to set up your point could you imagine stanley cup finals in vegas regardless of who's playing out there and then you've got fans participating gary bettman hasn't closed that door obviously he's going to look at the data that's out there to see if it's safe but boy if you really want to make a really bad situation into a positive one and end the hockey season on a high note, assuming these teams who are in the Stanley Cup Finals can't play in their home buildings. You've got Vegas. You've got a crowd. You've got excitement. We know they host awards. As you said, they're made for this. The NHL could come out looking really good. Yeah. If, if, if everything works that way, if that's the plan, I mean... You know, knock on wood, everything with, you know, the current situation allows it to be that way. But, yeah, I just think, I mean, you know, if it's a seven-game series in seven days, you know, or seven games, ten days, whatever it might be in Vegas with all the hype and, and all the media that can come there, again, knock on wood, hopefully that that would be allowed. And you're talking about fans and everything. It just It's like the next best thing. You know, if you can't have – the Stanley Cup played out on people's home ice, you know, with fans, seven game series and all that. This this seems like about the next best thing and you know you can poke holes in the twenty fourteen format and I'm not a big fan of the, the draft lottery and, and how they did some of the things like that. It felt a little forced, like we have to have something in June, so we're gonna we're gonna shoehorn in the format this way just to make sure that we have an event in June. All that being said, the NHL has seemingly got plans moving forward they've they've got a structure they've got a format fans have something to talk about there's some optimism you look at major league baseball and and obviously there's economic issues that they're having right now and the nba seems to be moving forward certainly cautiously but 
you know, as long as the NHL doesn't get ahead of itself, and, and I think Gary Bettman's done a good job of, you know, kind of pumping the brakes when, when they have to with all of this, there's still a lot to be done. There's still a lot of issues that, that need to be worked out. I talked to Nate Schmidt, who's the Golden Knights player up the other day, and, you know, player safety and, and all kinds of things like that are going to have to be worked out. There, there's still some things that, that are on the table, but, you know, you look at where they are compared to, I guess, some of the other sports and things, and, and yeah, it's always fun to boo Gary Bettman, but, you know, right now, I think there's probably a lot of fans around the NHL that, that would share him. Couldn't agree more. It makes uh, He brings up a good point, and I think it's something we're all going to kind of follow here uh, moving forward. Go ahead, Heath. No, I was going to say, uh, David, I just want to thank you for your time. Um, hopefully when we do talk again, it'll be about uh, actual action on the ice. At least we have a time frame now where all that can kind of be put into a place, at least a time reference to kind of get everything going. And uh, I, I think I speak for all of us in the media and a lot of people. Uh, it, it's it's fun to talk about some actual hockey now. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I don't know. There's there's still thoughts dancing in my head that we might have a, a Vegas Tampa Bay uh, Stanley Cup final here at some point. So maybe it's here, maybe it's there, maybe it's a couple of years down the road. But I don't know. It still feels inevitable every time I talk to you guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yep. Thanks, okay, David. David, thanks a lot. We appreciate it. it uh, David's showing there from the Las Vegas Reverge, uh, Review Journal uh, some good insight into uh, Vegas potentially being a hub city. All right, we got to get to uh, Anthony Sorelli. He's going to join us in our next segment. But before we do, I just want to say happy birthday to my son, Kelsey. He turns 18 today. This is the fourth, Greg, this is the fourth birthday fourth. we have celebrated in the Erlinson household <laughs> um, uh, in quarantine time. Uh, hopefully it doesn't get to five because the next one comes up in September. So, um, oh my But, uh, again, he turns 18 today. This is also the day Congrats. he was supposed to graduate from Strawberry Crest High School. So yeah. um, just want to wish him the best and uh, everything else. So, yeah. uh, all right, let's go ahead and – a shout-out on Lightning Power Play is the next best thing than having a big bash. Uh, he's probably not listening, but you're right. I totally agree with that 100%. <laughs> so. <laughs> but I know my dad and my brother are probably listening. So. That's true. Um, hey, guys. <laughs> all right. All right, let's go ahead and take a break again. Anthony Sorelli is going to join us on the other side here. Stick around. This is Power Lunch on Lightning Power Play. I am Eric Erlens, and he's Greg Linnelli. We'll be back right after this. Craig Linnelli and Eric Erlinson are the perfect social distancing distraction for your lunch hour. This is Power Lunch, only on Lightning Power Play on the iHeartRadio app. All right, welcome back to Power Lunch here on Lightning Power Play. Eric Erlinson alongside Greg Linnelli, and we are pleased right now to be joined by Lightning Forward Anthony Sorelli. And Anthony, we appreciate your time today. Uh, first question I have to ask is, uh, how's the hair these days? Is it kind of still growing out, or have you had a chance to cut it? Yeah, it's uh, it's still growing out. Um, I see some guys, I've seen some pictures of it here and there, and um, yeah, they they think I need to cut real soon. So I think I gotta <laughs> figure out a way how to, uh, you know, shave it down a bit. Well, I can tell you, Anthony, hang on to that hair as long as you can. We get my age, uh, around 40, it starts to go. Just buzz it, and, you know, things are are looking pretty good. Um, I, I've got to think the last couple of days, you know, for uh, the players, for the organizations out there, it's pretty exciting. It seems like there is a, a path in place, Anthony, to resume play, and now you can start, I guess, mentally getting prepared for the season, right? Yeah, no, for sure. Last uh... – you know, a couple of days have been great uh, in terms of just hearing what's uh, what's been going on and um, 
obviously this this whole phase two thing looks like uh hopefully we can get going soon um obviously the format and stuff like that too uh you know there's a big announcement the other day so I think for the players, it's great to, to see that it's going in the right direction. And, um, you know, like you said, just trying to mentally prepare for, for when that is to come. There's so much unique and different about this whole situation from everything. And, and you know, with the hot in respect to what you guys are, are going uh, going through and, and kind of hoping to get back to here. Um, what was your uh, thought process on this 2014 format, how it's all going to work and how it affects your team uh, with this round robin situation? Yeah, um, obviously a lot of people saw saw the vote and what happened and, and what took place there. Um, you know, as a group, we came up with that decision. Um, you know, obviously I think the biggest thing is we're, we're just excited to play. We want to get back at it and get going again. Um, like you said, it's a unique situation. So, um, you know, not everyone uh, is going to be happy. And this, I think, um, is the most fairest way that they determine. So, like I said, I think we're just excited to play. You know, we get a, obviously a couple games beforehand, it looks like, to, you know, to fight for positioning. Um, and then it gets right into the playoffs. So, um, I think it's, like you said, a unique way. And it's a fun way to do it. And like I said, I think a lot of us are excited just to get back uh, going and be able to finish off the season. Yeah, Anthony, you know, Eric and I, we've talked about this on the show really since the pandemic hit and, and paused everything that, you know, if the league decided to come back, whatever they decided to do, you could poke holes at anything really, but, you know, you try not to do it. You There's no playbook to deal with something like this. It's the first of its kind, but I've got to think, and I think you hit it, hit the nail on the head that everybody's just really excited to get back and you're going to deal with maybe some circumstances that you don't think are completely fair, but that's life, right? You just deal with it and, and you move on. Yeah, no, exactly. You know, I'm sure every team, um, you know, obviously sees it differently and stuff like that. Um, but at the end of the day, if this is the way that we got to go in order to, to finish it out and, and um, play the rest of the season, I think, you know, everyone is more than happy to uh, uh, get going, um, you know, give the fans uh, something to watch, you know, while, uh, you know, hopefully uh, this all ends kind of soon. Um, but I think the biggest thing is just being able to, to get back on the ice and, and ready to get going. Lenny Ford, Anthony Sorelli joins us here on Power Lunch. And, uh, Anthony, how has the mental shift now been? Because for the better part of two months, you've been trying to work out, trying to stay in shape without any sort of a time frame and a timeline in mind of when you might have a target to kind of return. Now you understand phase two. You can get back out on the ice and maybe, you know, work out with a couple of guys, and then you start to look forward to training camp. So from a mental preparation standpoint, how quickly did that shift for you? Yeah, I think, um, you know, pretty quickly once we heard that, you know, phase two might um, start opening up, I think it's just kind of, uh, you know, a sigh of relief that things are going in the right direction and, you know, sooner or later we'll be able to um, get back on the ice. Um, I think that's the biggest thing. Obviously, um, when you're not knowing what's going on, you're just sitting here every day like, oh, are we going to play? Are we not going to play? And, and stuff like that. But now knowing that, you know, we might be going on to a phase two and, and you know, you're kind of seeing the other side. So, I think that's a huge, uh, you know, breath of fresh air. We're 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 ready to go, and it kind of gives you that second, that motivation to to get back and keep grinding. You know, Anthony, I was thinking about this. You know, you get in the playoffs, you're playing, and you score a big goal, and you know, you're used to twenty thousand people chanting your name and and chanting on the Tampa Bay Lightning, and you're not going to have that most likely. 
Is that going to be a, a big adjustment for players, maybe bigger than we anticipate? Because we know the playoffs, they're all about emotion and, and feeding off the fans. And if they aren't there, have you thought about where you need to get that extra bit of emotion to, to fight through something? Or do you feel like we're making this a bigger issue than it really is? Yeah, um, you know, I think everyone's obviously thought about it at some point on, you know, if we do get back and, and what that's going to be like. Um, but no one really knows, honestly, until you're in that moment. But I think at the end of the day, you know, when when the game's going on, you're not really full. Like, even when we play now, like, you're not really focused in on, on the fans. You're, you're more focused in on, you know, trying to win a puck battle or, or more focused on the game. So, um, I think at first, obviously, it'll be a little bit different to, to just kind of get used to it. But when uh, when it comes down to it, I think it's the emotion of the game is just going to take over and, and, and it'll it'll be, you know, we'll work itself out. Along those lines, we know that uh, in the postseason, there's a lot of post-whistle activity and a lot of come-togetherness and face washes and all that stuff that comes about. Do you think in any way, have you thought about this, that maybe that'll change a little bit, at least maybe in the early going before maybe the competitive juices kick in, that just because of everything that we're going through, that maybe players would be just a tad shy to do that until, you know, you realize that you're in the heat of the battle? Yeah. Um, yeah, I haven't thought too much about that aspect of it. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I think, you know, as the games go down, I guess, you know, you know, in the playoff time, you know, you're, you're fighting to try and win a Stanley Cup. So I think... Um, you know, everyone, every person is going to do what they, whatever they can to, to get to that point. So um, I think in the heat of the moment, you know, the motion is going to be high and, and the games are going to be intense. So um, I for sure think that, uh, you know, there, there definitely will be some face washing and some trash talking for sure. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, that's the fun of, uh, of playoff hockey. You know, Anthony, outside of obviously being safe and making sure everybody are, is, are taking those steps to, to be safe from this virus. It sounds like really the biggest dilemma players may have is just conditioning and getting on the ice and, and making sure that, you know, your, your legs are feeling pretty good. Do you feel like a couple of weeks of a training camp is good enough? Do you like the fact that they're throwing around maybe two exhibition games or do you just want to see a training camp and then get right back into this round Robin tournament, which has the top four seats basically playing against one another yeah um you know i think the conditioning aspect you know i, I think a lot of guys right now are, are trying to stay in shape as as much as possible obviously it's nothing like being being on the ice but if we you know this phase two plus you know a training camp i think gives us you know a lot of time to to get back at it obviously it's, it's you know you gotta be able to play in games to get back to that that top that top speed um I think obviously it would be a little bit better to play, you know, like you said, maybe those two exhibition games beforehand. Um, but but first and foremost is obviously the safety of everyone involved. And um, so I think, you know, whatever they come up with will be, you know, a great way. And, and you know, if, it's, if it means uh, we get to play again, I think uh, a lot of people will be uh, willing to do it. Anthony, we know that you guys as a team and that led to that no vote was a concern about maybe playing a team that is coming out of a competitive situation where, you know, you guys with the bye would have those round-robin games. With those round-robin games now being for seeding purposes, does that alleviate in any way some of those concerns for you guys or, or was that kind of still there? Yeah, I think being able to play in that round-robin mini-tournament there, um, you know, those are going to be competitive games for sure. Um, you know, you're playing for seeding. 
Um, I guess right now no one knows really who's playing who with, with um, you know, you'd have to go through all those games to, in order to figure out the final seeding. But, um, you know, you're essentially playing for that last change there. And um, I think those games will be competitive. Um, um, I don't know if it's as competitive as the play-in games because, you know, those guys are uh, fighting to get into the playoffs, right? So it's a, we kind of, kind of have that buy-in. Um, but I think just being able to play in games and getting our conditioning up and, and you know, getting some game action will, will help for sure. I think what's really fascinating, Anthony, is because everybody's had so much time off, most of these teams that are in the playoffs are going to be healthy, which, you know, would lead you to believe that the level of play once you get past the conditioning part might be really high. I mean, that's, you want to talk about competitive hockey. It's, it's already like that in the playoffs to begin with, but now factor in all these good players that were injured are coming back, ready to go. This has a chance to be a really interesting playoff run, doesn't it? No, for sure. Um, you know, like you said, every, every team uh, has kind of been dealing with injuries uh, throughout the year. So, um, you know, getting two and, you know, almost three months off now to, to fully heal, um, I think is great for the game and, and great for the sport. So it's uh, a true, uh, true battle to, to uh, you know, try and get to the end because, you know, everyone uh, is having their, their best lineups in, their best players. So um, I think it'll be a, a great playoffs, a great series. Um, so, you know, you're not going to, um, you know, just the parody in our league, you know, everyone, whoever you play against every night and, and now add in that everyone's healthy and, and having in their top guys. So it's a, it's going to be a lot of fun for sure. Again, we're joined here by Anthony Sorelli on Power Lunch. And, uh, Anthony, when you met with the local media on a Zoom call, geez, it feels like it was months ago, but it was probably just a few weeks back. Uh, you talked about how you were doing some uh, gaming with some of your teammates and, Call of Duty maybe wasn't your thing, but I, I see you have a uh, NHL 20 matchup against Warren Fogle coming up on Saturday. You've been practicing up on uh, your NHL 20? Yeah, I've been practicing a bit. Um, yeah, it's kind of for brain race there. I know uh, Warren actually we played junior <laughs> together, so I've, we've been texting back and forth kind of. Um, so I think it'll be fun for sure. Um, I've been trying to practice. I used to play, you know, back in the day, so I'm, I kind of still got it a bit, but um We'll uh, we'll see what happens, but it'll, it's you know good for a good cause, and uh, you know it'll be a lot of fun. Going to get the trash game trash game working, right? Trash talk game working going. Yeah, trying to get his head early, so that's why I kind of texted him a bit and uh, <laughs> see see if, how much he's been playing. So, um, he, I think he's pretty good too. But uh, yeah, we'll see what happens. Well, what's been a, a typical day for you, like uh, Anthony, with this shutdown? I mean, it's it, it can be easy, I'm sure to not skip a workout but maybe not go as hard as opposed to you know when you're in season and you know you're you're competing with your your teammates and you're getting ready for games and even from you know eating the right things what's what's been a typical day for you been like with this pause yeah obviously it's tough you know working out by yourself every day um i'll kind of sleep in a bit now because you know waste waste more of the day than you know waking up early like we usually do but i'll probably wake up around uh 10-ish, um, you know, have a little breakfast, try and get a workout in, maybe go for a run. Um, then I'll make some lunch. Um, and then after that, it gets pretty boring. So it's uh, some Netflix or, you know, some FaceTimes with, you know, I'll call my parents once in a while. Um, you know, I'll, I'll play some video games. Uh, hang out by the pool usually too sometime, try and get uh, as much sun as I can. And then uh, I'll go and cook dinner. So 
I'm kind of sick of cooking now every day, honestly. <laughs> it was fun at first, but uh, when you do it every day, it uh, kind of gets old. And then at night, just kind of watch some TV, snack a bit, and then, you know, go to try and get, go to bed at a decent time. Well, I, I can tell you that uh, you're sleeping until 10. That That's usually still before my boys get up. I have two teenagers and a 21-year-old, and, and they're usually not up till 10, 30, or 11. So uh, you're still beating them <laughs> yeah, out of bed in the morning. One, two, that would be awesome, but <laughs> that's wasting the day then. <laughs> I wouldn't... Um, sp- speaking of the cooking, uh, this is one thing that you, that you had brought up, uh, back when we had talked to you, uh, previously, um, chicken parm still working good, but did you ever get that chicken teriyaki recipe figured out? No, I tried it two more times. Uh, both times didn't come out the way I wanted. So I kind of just, I gave up on it. So what's your, what's been your go-to then? It's just the chicken parm pretty much. That and some, yeah. I made some meatballs actually the other day. They came out pretty well. So I'll do that, or I actually made this uh, uh, bacon-wrapped chicken. That Ooh. came out kind of decent, too. So I've been nice. kind of rotating those three pretty much. Um, yeah, chicken teriyaki uh, is off the menu now. <laughs> I was going to say, thank goodness you know, we're in Florida here. With the weather being the way it is, you can get outside. I mean, I, you know, the weather's starting to break all around the country, but could you imagine just not being able to get out of your place, Anthony, just to break up the monotony of the routine. Yeah, no, that would be definitely be tough. Um, you know, my parents and my family back in Toronto, um, earlier in the quarantine, it, it was, you know, snowing sometimes there. So, yeah. um, you know, they were stuck in their house, you know, 24 hours a day. So, um, you know, like you said, luckily, you know, down here in, in, in Florida that uh, the, weather's, the weather's been nice where we could, uh, go outside for a little bit and enjoy some fresh air. What have your trips been to the store like? You know, I assume you're doing your own grocery shopping. Anything has that been? Was that something you did on a regular basis? You know, during the season, or is you know, I mean, are there those adventures? I guess in some ways, because you can't kind of get out of the house. Yeah, um, I I would do some grocery shopping in the season. Um, not as much as you do now, obviously, because all the cooking stuff. But I was getting my uh, groceries delivered actually, so. Um, that's actually kind of big that, you know, I wasn't going, going out and, um, you know, with a bunch of people and stuff like that. So, um, but yeah, it's, it's obviously tough. You want to go to the store and, and just get out there and see other people. But, um, yeah, I just been having them delivered. It's a smart way to go. I I never thought a trip to Costco could be so exciting. Anthony, (laughs) this past weekend, which was a, a lot of fun. Of course, everybody looking for toilet paper and and Windex, which still, I think when we look back at this pandemic, people are just going to be like, man, what, what were you getting all that toilet paper yeah, for? Exactly. Did you have a, a bigger issue than maybe just stocking up? But, you know, that's, I guess, um, for another day. I, I'm, I'm wondering, have you kind of been following what the other sports leagues are doing? And, you know, ESPN, they've got Korean baseball on. And were you one of those guys that wanted to see some you know, live sporting events, or were you kind of like, listen, you know, I'm going to put some Netflix on and, you know, watch a few movies and, and kind of go from there? No, I, I love watching other sports, so um, I'll tune in on, honestly, anything, really. I saw, I watched a soccer game the other day. It was uh, a German league game. They were playing in front of no fans, so uh, um, just being able to watch it, obviously, it looked super weird at the beginning, but once it got going, like, you, you know, obviously... 
you could tell without without the chance and stuff like that but uh yeah you know you, you hear everything though you know you hear guys calling for the ball and, and everything so um you know it brings a different aspect to the game so i thought it was pretty cool um but yeah i saw the ufc fight too when it when it came on a couple weeks ago so if, if something's on i'll try and catch it uh, over netflix for sure all right I, I can't ask greg this question uh anthony so i'm gonna ask it do you to want me to leave <laughs> as you've watched uh, these Bundesliga games, uh, right, I've with. heard broadcasts both with the background noise added in and without. Anything is it? Does it change the way you view the game or the atmosphere of the way you view the game? Um, not really. Um, you know, I just watched the games. Honestly, I wasn't even paying attention to if they if they had the background noise. I was just kind of watching the game. Um. But I, I guess it's, you know, preference of the viewer and stuff like that. Um, but I, like I said, I heard, you know, I was able to hear them talking and stuff like that, calling for the ball and then, you know, yelling out their plays. So <clears throat> I thought that was pretty uh, pretty cool. So it kind of gives you an envision of what we might hear during hockey games, right? Yeah, for sure. Um, <laughs> you know, hopefully Speaking of trash talking. I hope it doesn't catch everything, but <laughs> it was uh, – <laughs> Uh, well, uh, well, I guess we'll see when uh, when we get bad at how how that would uh, how that would be. Yeah, we were we were discussing, you know, because you're not gonna have fans in the stands. You're trying to find creative ways to, I guess, I don't want to say make it more enjoyable to watch hockey because I think the NHL playoffs, quite honestly, are the best sporting event out there, at least playoff wise. I mean, it, I don't think it gets any better. But you are gonna have you know a lot of people tuned in, and. You know, find these creative ways, Anthony, to kind of think outside the box to engage them a bit more if they can't go to games. And we were having fun talking about, you know, could you get these players mic'd up and you get the best and the worst of what they're saying on the ice? It certainly would be entertaining. I think a lot of people would would probably pay to watch that type of entertainment. No, I yeah, I think for sure. Um, obviously, I don't know how it would work with uh, with the TV on on you know, because obviously, I think some swearing would happen for sure. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think, um, that would definitely be a cool way for, for fans to, uh, interact with the game. Um, I'm not sure if every, what everyone's saying, they want to be heard out there, but, um, I don't know. Yeah, it's, 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 you know, there's obviously a lot of ways that, um, they could go with this because this is such a unique situation. Yeah, it is. It is for sure. Um, Anthony, uh, I just got one one last question. Um, how how excited are you just to get back on the ice in these small groups? Just because you've, I, I assume you've rollerbladed. I think we asked you that question before, but just to finally put some ice skates back on whenever this phase two uh, process moves forward, just to feel the ice under your feet again. Yeah, it's uh, you know honestly I can't wait. Um, it's been it's been whatever it's been two and a half months now, and. Um, you know, you miss it for sure. Um, I'm kind of scared. I, you know, forget how to skate or something like that because it's been so long. But um, yeah, I'm just uh, excited for the day that we could finally get back on the ice and you know be with, um, you know, some of the guys. Obviously, you can't have full team yet, but you know, just be around other people, be around the guys. You know, doing workouts and going on the ice. So, um, you know, it, it, it's pre- looking pretty optimistic, and uh, hopefully, we start we start uh, sooner than later. Well, you guys will be excited. I'm uh, seeing this confirm the Premier League to restart on June 17th. 
There you go. Oh, yes. Your, your I, soccer fix. That's even better. I, I follow the Premier League a lot more than I do the Buddhist League. I think I'll be busy. I think I'll be doing the lawn, I think, that day or something. I'll let you know how that, that plays out. <laughs> hey, Anthony, um, thanks, man, for coming on. We always uh, appreciate your time. I would say we'll see you at the rink, but, you know, what the hell? We don't even know if the media is going to be able to, or the broadcasters will be able to broadcast games. So yeah. we'll watch you on TV if we don't see you in person, bud. So <laughs> we'll see you on the Zoom calls. Sounds good, guys. Thanks, thanks Anthony. So yeah, thanks for All right, Be guys. well. Yep, you too. All right, Anthony Sorelli. That 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 was fun. It was. It, you know what? It's 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 finally good to talk to the players, Greg, about something to look finally. forward to. You know, we've we've had our share, obviously, yeah. over the past month or so of uh, Mitchell Stevens and uh, Carter Verhage and the like. Uh, right. But to be able to talk about an actual plan to come back and play, you, I mean, you could you could hear a little bit of the excitement in his voice. Well, and and let's. I mean, let's be honest. These these guys, they're young young men. They're bored. Yeah, <laughs> they're they're used to yeah. be doing like things that. All of us wish they're professional athletes playing at the highest level, and all of a sudden the league stops, and Anthony Sorelli is now cooking for himself watching Netflix. I mean, he should be playing, <laughs> and this is what he wants yeah. to do for the next 15 years. And when you take that away, you're kind of like, all right, you know, this is kind of fun, but I'm, I'm ready to get back on the ice and do something. So it, it's going to be fun. We don't know. Of course, I said to him, I mean, we, we just don't know how this is going to play out from a a journalist's point of view, a broadcaster's point of view, but it, it appears there's going to be some hockey, and whether we have to cover it through the TV or the radio, whatever, you know, we'll be uh, we'll be providing some coverage. But I think everybody's just excited to to get this thing going again. Yeah, the coverage aspect is going to be uh, certainly much much different than I think, uh, at least per specifically those of us on this side of it covering the sports is going to be different. I think we probably are going to be at home. Uh, that includes even the hub cities. I don't even know if they're going to allow media into the hub cities. Uh, and they'll probably do post-game press conferences with Zoom calls. Um, yeah. You might even have a situation, I was kind of thinking about this, that you know, like at the All-Star game or something like that, you have like podiums or whatever where players are at. And there might be a computer on a chair and a player just comes up to that spot and there's a Zoom call already in place that they're going to come and talk to. That yeah. would be um, probably how we're going to conduct post-game interviews and maybe even pre-game interviews. Yeah. Yeah, um, I don't think the players will be completely upset about that with some media members. So from that standpoint, <laughs> it'll be interesting how that plays out. And, you know, I, I don't like to always use the word the new normal. I think that gets thrown around a little too much. But I do think there is going to be some structural changes to how games are covered from here yep. on out. And this at, at least while this is still out there. Yeah, and this may give the leagues the ammunition to pull the trigger on some things maybe they'd wanted to do before, or teams, I should say, that have maybe wanted to do some different things with the media. This may be the way to get the ball rolling from that standpoint and, and do it a little differently. So we'll see how it plays out. The, the great thing about technology from that standpoint, E, is that you can do things like this. Yep. Yep, and you can still stay connected. Yeah. Uh, to the fans. I think it's the one thing that we've seen. We've talked about it before, how we're seeing personalities come out a little bit more, and I, I think that that's still a way to kind of stay connected in that moment to uh, to the athletes and kind of bring them to the forefront and hopefully closer to the fans. But um, either way, it's just exciting to, to, to finally talk about a plan in place and at least a time frame in place to kind of get this all moving in the right direction. All right, that's going to wrap it up for us 
Today on the show, we'll be with everyone again tomorrow, noon to one. E, this was uh, a lot of fun, as always. We want to thank uh, Anthony Sorelli, who joined us there. Uh, David Schoen, who uh, broke it down for us from the uh, Review Journal out in Las Vegas, talking about Vegas being, you know, a hub city and, and what that meant um, for them and, and that team. So we appreciate him. And thanks to Steve Ersnick as well. E, good stuff as always, bud. Yep, sounds good. Uh, we got Braden Coburn scheduled for tomorrow's show, and yep. uh, look forward to that. To get to some of his thoughts as a veteran player on what's going on. Hit us up on Twitter throughout. We're active there at Bolts Radio, at Greg Linelli, and at Eric underscore Erlinson. That's with a K. We'll be with you again tomorrow. It's been the Power Lunch on Lightning Power Play.